0: Before we sing this song, I want you to think about the words in the first stanza, the first verse. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And think about this, anything other than the blood of Jesus and his righteousness are less. The man who wrote this song, we learned last night in family uh, family time, he first wrote these words on a little slip of paper. And uh, he was called by a friend to come visit his wife who was dying. He asked him to give her some words of comfort. He said, "And he said, I don't have any. I don't have a hymnal." He said, "Well, I have something here." And he he used those words. He made up a tune apparently on the spot, and he sang the words of this song to her. And um, realizing that backstory, I thought, "Wow, verse one really really has a lot more meaning." He was comforting this dying sister in the Lord with, with the truth of the gospel. And then in verse 2, When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy dale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant, his blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Don't you think those are words that would comfort a dying a sister in the Lord or a dying brother in the Lord? Now look at verse one again. I dare not trust the sweetest frame. We don't use that kind of terminology today, but what he was saying was, I'm not going to trust in in the way I feel because you're going to have good feelings and bad feelings. Don't trust in the good feelings because they're going to fail. And don't trust in the bad feelings because they're probably not true. Trust in Jesus' name. So think about all of these truths as we sing the words of this very good song. 272 in our hymnals, the solid rock. 175. 175. Standing on the promises. We're standing on the solid rock, which is Jesus Christ, and we're standing on the promises of His Word, and the two are inseparable. 175. Let's sing all four stanzas of Standing on the Promises.
1: Can you, you play just say. a second that uh verse or two of that? Glad to see in church today, let's remain standing. Uh good to see you again from is it Michigan? Mm-hmm. Michigan, yes, visiting, so glad to see you. And then uh I hear you're on your honeymoon. <laughs> I've got good advice. See me after service. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, good to see Joanne. Joanne dropped in did to you, for a couple weeks. Yeah. This, this only Sunday. This only Sunday, okay. So uh we we'll have glad to see her. Uh, she has not changed. It's not changed. Uh, I have on the phone Bob, Brother Bobby, so he's listening to everything right now. Uh, we have it online, but we don't get access to that. So uh, Pretend to be spiritual today for Bobby's sake, all right? Mm-hmm. And uh, send the bulletin about where he is. If you want to give him a call, that'd be great. If you want to make a visit, that'd be good too. Uh, and so check the bulletin out for the information there. And so let's take a minute to shake hands with one another and then the Chinese service for this mess. The are running the family, keep falling. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, Brother Francis and his wife will be back in about three or four days from uh, wherever they are. And uh, he went to get her back here to Hawaii. And so, uh, Nathan, of course, very capable of in while he is gone. And, uh, of course, we miss we miss Francis because he makes the morning uh, banana bread. So, no banana bread today. Everybody's disappointed. And uh, coffee is good, but not good enough without the banana bread. So we look forward to coming back for that reason. No other reason. All right. Okay. Miranda's sick today. She got up feeling kind of bad about 4 o'clock. And then about 6 o'clock, she wasn't feeling better. And by 6.30, she thought she might stay home. I thought, you know what? Be a man. Go to church. Even though you don't feel good. But she wasn't getting better. So she's not terribly sick. She's just feeling tummy sick. A joke with uh, miss bus that she has got more morning sickness that is a joke
2: <laughs>
1: she does not have morning sickness bobby that says a joke bobby just kidding bobby <laughs> okay Thank you. Uh, okay uh take your bibles if you would to the book of first thessalonians now we have uh, some Halloween tracks. The check track is for teenagers and above. It's too gross, too graphic for smaller kids. So be sure you consider that to give a Christmas uh, um, Halloween tracks uh, in a couple of days. From the city of Corinth, Paul wrote a letter to the Thessalonians at Thessalonica. And so he was accused of ill will. He was accused of being selfish in his motives. And so the Paul pushes back in this epistle in chapter two. And uh, also Paul wanted to confirm <coughs> the young christians the young church to stay faithful and that the lord is coming back soon for them he wanted to encourage them and so that's what he does in this first epistle to the thessalonians chapter one of first thessalonians i have a few things i'd like to tell you about this church this church is a good church i want to tell you about this good church and i hope you and i want to be like this good church chapter one verses one and two Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all. For you all. There's a standard joke about this. This is to say that the you all is reference to a certain part of our country, the South. The South says you all quite a bit. My wife is from North Carolina so she says y'all still which is like okay but that's where she's from and y'all is a very common expression we give thanks to God always for you all make a mention of you in our prayers now the apostle when he greets the church in this letter uh, he talks about how much he loves this church how much he loves the people he thanks God for this church Uh, this church he thinks about them all the time we give thanks to God always for you all He's thinking about them all the time. When people are in love, you know what they think about? Nothing else except the person that they love. That's very true. When we were in high school a long time ago, the days when they had leather helmets for football. If you need to know about that, that's a long time ago. But we used to have practice sessions on the chalkboard in the before classes began. where we, we had to go. Didn't want to go that, because who wanted to do that instead of sleeping? And so we had to go, and the coach also was upset with the players, especially the players who had a girlfriend, and he would always scold the players with girlfriends because they were never listening, they were never, they were always daydreaming. He said, you guys, you guys, Mr. Mahi, he said, you guys with girlfriends, he, he got real serious, you guys with girlfriends, you gotta drop your girlfriend. Now what he was saying was, because you have girlfriends, you don't think about football. You don't think about Offense or defense, you forget about the plays because your mind's on somebody else. you think about that stupid girlfriend. And he's telling us players, I didn't have a girlfriend, thankfully, or, or something like that. But uh, the players who did, they were always talking about the girlfriend and they were so distracted. And so he was telling them, get rid of them because your mind is not on the game. The Apostle Paul's mind was on these Christians. He loved them so much. He's thinking about them all the time. And so. Um, uh, remembering without ceasing, he says about them. I think about you folks all the time. This is a man who loves the people. They're young Christians, the young church, and he has so much affection for them. He thinks about them all the time. He's not daydreaming, but his heart is with them, even though he's not there with them physically. And if you've ever been in love with someone, or if you love your family, uh, someone, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids, you think about them all the time. I think about my grandkids all the time, not the ones who live here because I see them all the time. And I don't think about them all the time. I get tired of them
2: <laughs> because I see them all the time.
1: But my three girls in Texas, I think about them all the time. I get a text message from, uh, uh, what is her name? Aislinn, and she'll say funny things to me and she wants me to respond and I'll respond back to her. Sometimes I'll do a video call and all that. And I miss my grandgirls. I think about them all the time. I don't, hear about them, but I think about them. I think about my daughter. I don't think about my son or my daughter-in-law. Why would I? I, th- I see them every day. I get tired of them. You can say that too. Well, no, actually don't. But uh, the apostle Paul is not in their company. He's not in their presence. So he thinks about them. Remember without ceasing. He thinks about the church in a very fond way. He says some things in verse number 3 about this church. Watch carefully. Verse number 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith. He will give a list of things that he thinks about this church and he commends them for. He's so proud of them. He says, number one, I remember you all the time. It's about your work of faith. Your work of faith. Now, they were saved by faith. You're saved by faith. You're not saved by faith and works. You're not saved by works and faith. You're not saved 90% by faith, 10% by own effort. You're not saved that way. A lot of people think you're saved because you believe in Christ and you must attach Faith in Christ with other good things too. Many people think that. Now, in the South especially, everybody's saved in the South. Isn't that right? Everybody's saved in the South. Witness people in the South, yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I'm saved. Yeah, I know Jesus. And a lot of them do. They've heard about Jesus since the time they were small. They've been in church all of their lives. But a lot of them, maybe they're not saved. They think they must earn, they must achieve, they must obtain, they must maintain something to be saved besides faith. You're saved by faith. He says about these Christians at this church at Thessalonica, your work of faith. Not only were they saved by faith, they were serving the Lord by faith. They were saved by faith, and then they're serving the Lord by faith. They're doing something for God by faith. By faith, they're trying to serve God, the one that saved them. They're trying to do something for Him. Trust the Lord for results. Trust the Lord for resources. Trust the Lord for the fruit. They're serving God by faith. Then he says this about this church. They have a good spirit. Look at verse number three remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love now that word scares people labor that word also scares people work work and labor those two are just scary words for people people want things without working for it without laboring for it now pardon me but i i don't like when people expect to get something without them working for something now i know some in some cases it's not possible for them to earn with their own hands or with their own abilities. I understand that. But for a man who is capable to do something, but he doesn't do something, and he just expects, quote, a handout, there's people like it in this world. I think the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. The, the colonists who came to America, one time the common storehouse had all the food from harvesting, and it, the policy was, y'all come, take what you want. Well, they begin to abuse that policy. And so I think it was Chap- Captain John Smith or uh, someone, the governor, Bradford maybe, I think it was governor Bradford said, all right, listen folks, we're gonna practice what the Bible says. You don't work the field, you don't eat. So he gave people a plot of land to work and they worked their field and whatever you work for, that's yours. But the common there was a bad idea because everybody took advantage of that. People expected something for nothing. Now ladies and gentlemen, it's good to work, it's good to do something for yourself, really it is. You feel good about that you've earned something you feel good about that he says these christians were saved by faith and they're working by faith and their work though had a good quality to it it was a labor of love a labor of love a labor of love let's talk keep it thought love no this is about christians who appreciated their salvation they appreciated what christ did for them and they're going to serve him out of a good motive out of love labor of love a church with the good spirit he commends them for that because they had service but their service was not mechanical robotic it was something with a real heart to them they were serving out of love now here's a good verse i want to read to you saint corinthians chapter 5 verse number 13 for whether we be beside ourselves it is to god or whether we be sober it is for your cause for the love of christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead and that he died for all and that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Do you know what Paul is saying here in 2 Corinthians 5? He said to the Corinthians, listen, listen. Christ died for you because he loves you. Now that you're saved, you need to learn to love one another as well. And you need to to serve your God, but with the right spirit. Serve him out of love. Serve the Lord because you love him, because you appreciate what it's done for you and you serve others in your church because you love them as well because God loves them so he says we serve out of a pure motive out of love now you can serve God out of a mechanical responsibility and a duty you can be in a church staff and serve because you're getting paid to serve and that's that's okay some people serve though because they just want to and because they have a heart to serve God out of appreciation for their personal salvation that's the kind of service that really goes a long way The kind of service that says, I'm going to serve God because I'm so grateful of what He's done for me. I can never, if if I would live a hundred lifetimes, I cannot repay Him for what He's done for me in this lifetime. Therefore, I serve Him out of love. It's a good motivation, don't you think? Somebody say Amen. Somebody say, Oh. All right. So He says, I commend you as a church because you have a good spirit. You serve the Lord with the right love for the Lord, love for the saints. And that means the quality of their service is really good. It's really high. It's really high. When you do something out of obligation, you have no real passion about it. When you serve someone because you love the Lord, there is some oomph to it. All right? There's some There's some enthusiasm about it. There's some, I want to do a better job than this. I want to do a great job. I want to do the best job possible. And really, the Lord says, when you work for someone you don't really work for; you work for me through him so you serve the lord christ not just the employer now we all have employers we don't like you've all had employees you don't like is that so or did you have the perfect employer in your working life or do you i think most folks will grab and complain about this guy because and it, maybe it's justified but it says you really serve the lord christ through that person and so you, the quality of your service or your work The fulfilling every job description is is a little bit better than somebody else because you realize i'm serving christ out of love and so this church is really respected and loved by the apostle paul because uh, they're working by faith serving by faith and they're working because of the right spirit they have love in their hearts for christ and for the others now in verse number three once again they are a believing church verse number three remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father patience of hope now a believing church they were patience of hope through trials and tribulations to hardships to setbacks to persecutions Through all these things that happen in the life of a Christian and especially in the life of a New Testament church from the very beginning all kind of things happen that are bad he says you folks are a believing church you have patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ Persecution from then, first century the apostles, down to the first, second century, through the Roman emperors, down through the centuries, through persecution where the gospel went, Christians were persecuted. Unlike any other religion in the world, they were persecuted because they represented Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if they persecute me, they're gonna persecute you. Don't be surprised by this. In the upper room, he told his disciples those words. And so he prepared them for what was to come. And so boy would they face what he said was he right when he said that and if you've ever read fox's book of martyrs the little volume you'll find that book is full of personal experiences of christians just living for the lord they get persecuted they have placed the position of denying christ and they won't deny christ and so they're persecuted hebrews 11 talks about christians being persecuted he talked about them being sewn together in in goatskins and then uh in in wet goatskins and then as the sun dries it, it it strangles it suffocates the the christian horrible treatment of believers i was reading something about how in medieval times how they uh tortured people who broke the law unbelievable cruelty they would put someone in a oak barrel cut open a the hole they sit in that thing naked and then they would cover his head with honey horrible treatment of lawbreakers where they would get attacked by insects and bugs and eat on them and they could not defend themselves they could not do anything it was a deliberate slow death horrible treatment of people christians are treated like that throughout church history and uh, we christians have a great heritage of courageous christianity in our in our um, in our history so when you think of that you think about how petty it can become for us to murmur about things that people say about us, Christians in particular, in general, um, name-calling. Well, okay. Um, a little bit of um, teasing. So what? A little bit of um, you know, not too bad. And sometimes uh, sticks and stones, uh, you know, they do hurt for sure, and words do hurt for sure. But sometimes they attack your vehicle because you've got a sticker on there identifying stuff as a Christian or some kind of cause. And so these things do happen. You don't wish they happen, but right now in uh, North Africa, in Morocco, in other communist countries, Christians are persecuted. They're persecuted at the hands of other religions. Islam persecutes Christians. Communism persecutes Christians. Christians are persecuted all the time. In America, we have some form of persecution, but thankfully not like in other countries. So even though America has some situations that are really horrible and bad and anti-God, we don't face the things that other countries face yet. Yet. Perhaps it'll come, but not yet. And so these Christians, they had uh, faith to believe. Believe what? That the Lord's going to take care of them? Specifically, that the Lord's coming back for them. Look at this. Chapter 1 verse number 10 of First Thessalonians. Every chapter closes with a certain thought, with a certain truth. Chapter 1 verse number 10. And to wait for His Son from heaven. Alright. So chapter 1 closes with the Lord returning. In chapter 2, verse number 19. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? Chapter 2 ends with hope by referring to the second coming of Christ. Chapter 3, come to verse number 13. To the end, he may establish or establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. The second coming is a prominent theme in the letters of the Apostle Paul. And he tells the Thessalonians in these three chapters, as he writes the conclusion of each chapter, the Lord is coming back. Keep your eyes upon him. In chapter 4, we're more familiar with chapter 4. And in verse number 14, verses 14 down through 16, he talks about the second or the Lord coming back at the rapture. Then he says in verse 18, wherefore, because the rapture is going to happen, it could happen in your lifetime. He says, Because of that, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Do you realize that the apostle Paul encouraged these Thessalonians Christian Christians, these good people, these good Christians, these faithful Christians, who would go through hardship he says you just remember just have faith in the Lord that he's coming back for you one of these days and when he comes back for it, one of these days he says it'll be like light affliction light affliction no matter what you went through it'll be when you see Christ you will be like light affliction now some of you some of you good saints you've never faced affliction yet in your life just live a little bit longer you're gonna face some affliction in your lifetime You younger Christians you have not faced affliction yet, but you just live a little bit longer You're gonna face some kind of affliction in your life, and you're gonna feel like I didn't bargain for this. Oh, I thought everybody who I give the gospel to would welcome it But now they hate me. I thought all my friends would accept my witness, but no they don't now They shun you now they talk about you And there's nothing more hurtful to a person than to have people who were your friends talk about you in your presence Behind your back or in your presence. It's very hurtful to you. And he says, look, hang on to the fact. Just believe that the Lord's coming back because He is. Is the Lord coming back? Paul said that He was coming back. And He is coming back. In chapter 5, one more verse here. Verse number 23. The very God of peace. Verse 23. Sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul body be preserved blameless unto the coming of of our Lord Jesus Christ so he says some things important to the Lord's coming back in many of these scriptures he says you be faithful to Christ you live right before him you have a clean life you keep your body pure before God because he's coming back for you have faith be hopeful he's coming back because he is and so he's telling the us to encourage them Jesus is coming back and to wait faithfully for him I'll occupy until he comes back They were a church that believed the gospel believed he's coming back look at verse number five go back to chapter one of first local say thessalonians but there's a h there's thessalonians go to first thessalonians and verse number five something else about this church that he was proud of verse number five and six for our gospel came not unto you in word only but also in power and in the holy ghost and in much assurance as you know what men of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. You find that this church was a disciple church. They took the word of God for what it was. They believed the messengers of the word of God, the apostle Paul and his companions. And they trusted them that they are telling the truth. The, the character and the integrity of the apostle Paul and his companions were such that they could believe what they were telling them. Sometimes, folks, sometimes people can hear the truth from you, but they don't believe because they somehow think that you're not an honest person, or you have inconsistency, and sometimes they don't uh, take the the truth as the truth because they're skeptical about you. This is why it's important, folks, to remember that your testimony has a real impact upon other people, whether you think so or not. You being consistent, having integrity, being right and honest, even though you could compromise, but you still walk with the Lord. Bobby, I'm gonna turn you off for a minute, okay? The nurse is talking to him. I don't want to hear the nurse saying to him. What was that saying? Um, yeah, if you just walk faithfully with Christ all the time, every day, your testimony, when you have a chance to be a witness, it has meaning to it. It has it has weight to it. It means something. There's nothing worse than than this. In this world for a christian to be called a hypocrite nothing worse than that we don't like politicians because they're hypocrites and boy there's a bunch of them over there and around here a bunch of them but let's not be distracted by that let's just learn a lesson you don't want to be a hypocrite you don't want to be two-faced you want to be the genuine the real thing you want to be consistent in your walk with christ so that when you speak up for him people say oh yeah well this guy's got okay i find no fault in him of course, you're not sinless, but at least you are uh, consistent, and people can respect that. Look, I respect a Jehovah's Witness, not because his teaching is right. It's totally wrong, but they are consistent. They never stop. You notice that about the Jehovah's Witnesses? They never stop. They're out in the street corners. They got little banners and things. They have a little board here, all the literature, and they're there to answer your questions. They're everywhere. They get mocked. They get made fun of. They have a bad reputation. No Christmas, no birthday celebrations, no blood transfusions. One time there was a, a biking contest, a marathon contest going through a <coughs> on on Canal Street and P.E. Koi. At that intersection a biker slipped and he fell. The ambulance came took him away. He needed a blood transfusion but he refused to take a blood transfusion because he was Jehovah's witness. It's one of their cardinal doctors, no blood transfusion. They that after eating blood. So he died because he refused to take a blood transfusion. That's how sincere they are. Now, that was wrong. That was unnecessary. But can I respect that for their consistency? I can. How about we Christians who know the truth and have the truth be consistent as the Jehovah Witness is consistent?
2: Amen.
1: How about that? That's fair. That's fair. Isn't that fair? Yeah. That's fair. All right. So these Christians were disciples. They became followers of us. So they heard the Apostle Paul teach and they believed it, they they trusted in Christ by faith, they're saved, they're being discipled, and now they are mimicking how the Apostle Paul lived before them. They trusted his testimony, how he talked, how he conducted himself. Totally believable, totally the real thing, the real deal. And now They become like Him. They copy His example. They become followers of us. Paul says, Follow me even as I follow Christ. Somebody criticizes the Christian and says, "Well, you're following a man. You're just like this guy. You're following him. Well, if he's following Christ, I can follow him. If he's following Christ in those examples, when he doesn't follow Christ, I'm going to follow him. When I was in school many years ago, the chest of the school, the president of the school, had a double-breasted suit that he wore all the time when he preached. A double-breasted navy suit. Double-breasted You know uncomfortable double-breasted suit is it's uncomfortable all the young they call them preacher boys all the young preacher boys they bought double breasted suits they want to look like their founder their president their hero double-breasted suits it was kind of funny because you know shoulder pads way up too far and everything looked like you know just didn't fit right but these were young freshmen and sophomores what did they know what do any freshmen know and sophomore know anyway in college they just are copying now Don't get upset with that. Just look at the lesson. They were trying to copy the one that they respected and admired. Paul says, follow me even as I follow Christ. You should follow someone's good example. Where he's wrong, don't follow that. Where he's inconsistent, don't follow that. Just follow the good example. Paul was modeling for them what a Christian ought to be like. And so he would be happy that they followed him and so he says that they were a disciple church, they became followers followers of us and so that's a good thing Uh, one time I was criticized in this very church, years ago years ago, because I was talking about a certain issue in the Christian life and I was telling what I did in my week and somebody I must have said that often enough for that person to come up to me and this person said to me, you know you're the hero of all the stories you tell Well, all I meant was, I do this because if I tell you what you should do, I do the same thing. You get it? I am trying to just be an example. And this person took like I was elevating myself as no, I wasn't at all. Totally mistaken, but maybe I should have qualified my statement more, maybe it was my fault about that. But I was just simply saying, what you should do, I should do as well. I'm not above anybody, we're all in the same canoe or same rickshaw or same whatever jeepney we're all the same we're same people want to serve god and if i tell you you should do this then i should do the same thing right right (coughs) they were a disciple church and then they were determined look at verse number six you became followers of us and of the lord having received the word in much affliction with joy of the holy ghost I really admire this church and so did the Apostle Paul because they were determined in much affliction they received the word and they had joy in the Holy Ghost. Uh, I would say simply that these Christians would not be stopped even though things were contrary to their life. Even though they had bad things happen to them and would have bad things happen to them. They still would be determined to follow Christ because after all if Christ is the Lord I'm going to follow him. You know one time the Lord asked Peter Peter who do men say that I am uh, uh, they say you're the Lord okay good but Peter who do you say that I am uh, you're the Lord and you know what Peter says Lord uh, to whom shall I go thou hast the words of eternal life you know what that's all about that's about Peter being so convinced that Jesus is his Lord and that he would follow him. We know about his fall, his backside, and all that kind of thing. But did he not recover? Did he not go back and become the great apostle Peter? Did not Lord give a second chance? Is not everyone flawed in some way? Do we all not have moments of weakness? If you've ever had moments of weakness, raise your hand. Okay, keep them up. If you ever had moments of multiple weaknesses in your life as a Christian, raise the other hand. The rest, you are just really you need to come to the altar and pray and ask God to help you because you're lying. We all have had moments of weaknesses. Really we have. We don't want it, but it happens to us because we're still in the flesh. But these Christians at Thessalonica, they were determined uh, in much affliction. They would still go on. I hope that you and I in this time, in our lives, in this generation of Christianity, in this generation of this culture, everything against sanity and and morality, that you and I still walk the walk and not let anything get us sidetracked from what the world is doing. Amen to that they were a determined church and look at verse number seven so that ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia and from you sounded up the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything these Christians at Thessalonica this church was such a good church such a spiritual church such such an enthusiastic church they had such a reputation they in the eyes of others were a desirable church a desirable church people want to be like that and paul says you know what you folks are such a a model church people know about you they hear about your activities and your spiritual qualities and your love for one another and for other people love for christ he says you have become without intending it to be the model church to follow a desirable church an example of real faith, an example of steadfastness, an example of zeal, to take the gospel everywhere. They were a model church. Now, you know what a model is, a model, have you ever seen this, I don't know why you would, but these runways where every fall they have this in New York, The, the you know, these new fashions And they do their thing, you know, and the new outfits, and all the buyers are there, and and it it influences everybody, and uh, it, it's just the way things are in this world. And uh, they model a clothes, a, a, a style of clothing, and buyers are there. Oh yeah, that's really we got to order five million of and they want to get that because they see it modeled. If you just show it to them at them look, you have to you have to put it on someone to model it model Uh, they were a model church a church to be like it's a good thing it's not idolatry it's just being a good Christian being a good church and it so happens that people get the word and they want to be like you well look at something else besides being a desirable church a church that practices the Bible I want you to see um, I want you to see that all of these things in this short list it is like Paul, the Apostle said, I'm so proud of you people. I'm so proud of you. I'm, I I I, clap, I stand up, I cheer for you. I, I commend you. I praise you because of what you are and how you are living for Christ. The Church of Thessalonica, you can say pride in a very humble way, in a good way. What does this all mean? What does this all mean? Well, it means a lot of things. It means that you and I, as members of a local church you need to have a an aspiration a desire to be like this church that happens if individually you feel like that the individual christian member has to feel a certain way see things a certain way for the church to become what it ought to become so you don't just wave a magic wand or snap a finger and it becomes what it's supposed to become no there has to be a growth process a a, a a Sincerity a, a focus on Jesus Christ and his word for it to transform people's lives and thinking It doesn't happen by legislation or by mandate it happens because the heart is changed And so what does this all mean? It means that you and I our hearts need to be focused on what the Bible says about church and about our relationship to Christ So that we can become like that model church now, I don't know about you, but um, It's it's really good to go in that direction and it's really bad to not go in that direction i don't know how you feel about this but this is how i feel about this for the church to be like this church we have to go in a certain direction or we need to stay in a certain direction or we need to focus on certain things so that we can become like this church i'm not happy i'm not content if we just go through the motions of church that's not what church is for church is to have these things in place churches to have uh, these activities and have these, these uh, feelings and this, this mindset, this attitude about these matters, that's what a good church is supposed to be like, it's not just the name on the building, it's not just uh, the chairs and the carpet and all these other things that make up a, 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 a worship service or church it has to be more than that, it has to be in here that's got to be right it's got to be right you can't, if you love somebody you love somebody, okay okay no matter what anybody says, do you know that my father and my mother they once said I can marry my wife Miranda before speaking became my wife and then they changed their mind. Yes, they changed their mind. They said, okay. And then they said, not okay. <laughs> and you know what the reason was? My skin color, the shape of my eyes, the color of my hair. I am not Southern. I'm not from the South. <laughs> I'm from the South, South Hawaii. Well, I'm not from the south in the south and so she my wife is pretty fair she's pretty fair and uh, In fact, i tell you something about my wife. Okay. I, th- I think she wouldn't mind Wait a minute. She might mind. I won't say it uh, But she's pretty fair and uh, her legs are pretty white I'm getting close to telling you But maybe I shouldn't Some, some Can you not tell anything to her? <laughs> My wife is very modest in her apparel, as as you know she she should be. But um, and sometimes her calves show her white skin. My wife's not a beach person; she's not an outdoor person. I mean, she likes to be in the outdoors, but she's not like. And it's not wrong to be out in the sun, but she's not in the sunlight. Therefore, her legs are just white, white, holly white, <laughs> pale face white. And then she'll a woman pass by. and She'll say, "Honey." My as white as her. <laughs> and I'll say this, why do you care? You are what you are. Pale face. <laughs> oh, I think white than that. I said, Yes, you are. And she said, just slap me, you know. But uh, now why did I tell you that story? It's to say that she is white and I'm not. And her father-in-law says, her mother-in-law says yes, and then they, they got kind of cool feet, you know. They said, uh, and I was in Hawaii, they were in North Carolina, and uh Miranda said, oh, I said what? She said, My parents said I can't marry you. I said, Yeah, but they said that I could. They changed their mind. And I got mad. And so um later on, later on, they consented. Then their pastor, her pastor in North Carolina, he said he would marry us. Then he changed his mind. What's with all these changing your minds? Yes, no, yes, no. Double-minded man is gonna change his mind <laughs> so we went to talk to him because he had said yes and i was in town and so we went to see him and what i said uh now you said yes nice to know he says this is the reason because she is caucasian and you're not i said well that is obvious <coughs> but what is wrong with that he says that's unequal yoke i said well i'm not sure if that's what that means Am I a believer? Am I a Christian? Yes. Is she a Christian? Yes. Are we both livable? for Yes. So where's the unequal yokeness here? It's not a skin thing. And so, to his credit, to his credit, Theod said he called us in and talked to us. He says, "Okay, I've been looking at this. I've looked at Miranda's background. She has Cherokee Indian in her, doesn't she?" <laughs> He says, isn't Cherokee Indian Asian? I said, yes, 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 it is. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, okay, that settles that Then I can perform the ceremony. And I said, well, thank you for being open mine. He says, oh, it's okay, I, I really want, and um, then he changed his mind again. So he didn't marry us. Someone else married us. I don't criticize this man because he has going with what he thought was the right thing to do. I don't criticize him at all. I have great respect for this man. He is way up there. In my estimation, I respect him greatly. I have no complaint about him. That's just what happened. Now, these Christians, these Christians, they just kept on going. They didn't. They didn't stop no matter what. And uh, Paul's love for the ships was so strong. They had some controversy though, and they had some some opposition. Look at chapter two, chapter two, and verse number eight. A disciple church like this church they're not just saying that they believe they're proving that they believe by their actions and that's the thing that is important chapter 2 verse number 8 look at this love for them once again so being affectionately desirous of you we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only but also our own souls because you were dear unto us there's words out of use dear unto us hello dear I never come like dear because you are dear unto us but he did he says being affectionately desirous of you he loved them so much he couldn't wait to see them but he could not see them because of something something hindered him from seeing them look at chapter 2 verse number 18 as much as he loved them and wanted to see them he could not at that time Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, I tried several times, but I I, I could not do it, because or but Satan hindered us. And that's the opposition, that's the hindrance, that's the slowdown, that's the reason why he could not, because the devil hindered him from going down to see them. Now, I take advantage of the occasion of Halloween to tell you this, that the devil is a real entity, he's a real person, he's not folklore, he's not... Uh, imagination. He's not a cartoon character. He's not a myth. He's not a fable. He's not a product of superstition The devil is a real character according to the Bible The Apostle acknowledged his reality Jesus Christ dealt with him in Matthew 4 and Luke 4 Throughout the Bible the Old Testament, the devil is very real. Job Job was not aware that the devil had a little bet going on so-called with with the Lord himself And so he was the object of that what was going on in heaven. The devil is a real person and the devil is the one who hindered the Apostle Paul from going to see this Thessalonian church once and again. I want to tell you because Halloween is coming up just a word or two about that. You do what you want to do. But uh, there's a lot of satanic things connected to Halloween. I don't mean the candy is bad although it could be bad for you. Um, it's a tradition to go trick-or-treating and all that. Now I'm not telling you what to do about that, I'm just trying to tell you that there's an underlying theme behind Halloween that is very dark, is very evil, although you may not see it manifested. Cute costumes, uh, costumes of celebrities, things like that. So you know, some of those looks kind of innocent, I understand that, and I'm not going to be extreme about anything here. But I'm just trying to tell you that this is an occasion for me to say something to you that the devil is a real entity and he is the one who opposed the Apostle from coming to see the Thessalonian Christians. Satan hindered us. What is, this, what is the devil about? Hindering. Hindering. Hindering the progress of the gospel. Hindering the progress of the Christian's growth. Hindering the progress of a church. Stopping if he could. Denying if he could. Destroying if he could. The work of God. He Hindered Paul from coming, so I want to take advantage of that to say just a word about the devil, that his his realm of influence, his sphere of of opposition is primarily spiritual or religious. I use religious to separate that from secular. His sphere of influence or of hindering is primarily in the world of faith, religion. Okay, Second Corinthians, turn there with me, please. Second Corinthians, chapter eleven. Paul could not visit this church because the devil hindered him. 2 Corinthians 11, I want you to know that the Bible says that the devil's target is spiritual, it is religious. Then I'll tell you, as that is true, there's other things he targets. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 12. But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, That wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. Verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers, ministers, I'm a minister of the gospel. They're ministers of the devil. That his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to the works. The devil's real primary focus is in the world of the spiritual, the religious. Notice here that if there are true apostles like the apostle Paul and the others, there are false apostles. Well, they are so cleverly disguised and they are so cleverly Disguised as the real deal They're called deceitful workers They're called ministers And they are transforming themselves As the apostles of Christ And they are transforming themselves As angels of light The devil can transform himself like that And if he can He can cause his ministers to be Appearing to be the real apostles of Christ And Paul says That's the world in which the devil works in Religiously Now I want to point out one church not to single out one church but i am there's many others i could cite that are led by a false apostle and they have false doctrine false teaching very dangerous stuff not a new religion but kind of new 1914 they're beginning in the philippines you filipinos know about this this is the church founded by a man named felix manalo the church of christ or also called iglesia ni Cristo. there's one in leaky leaky one in Waipahu and a brand new branch, a massive building cost multi-millions of dollars on Fort Weaver and Eva Beach. There's three so far and there's others on other islands too. They're noted for all their high, pointy spires that point out on the corners of the building. And one in Pearl City too. So very permanent group. A lot of them are Filipinos. A lot of former Catholics are in this Ignatian, the Cristo, this Church of Christ. And I had uh, an opportunity to talk to a couple, uh, this is Sunday, it was uh, a week ago, Friday. Uh, sorry, a week ago, Saturday. And uh, I bought a piece of furniture for them on Facebook marketplace and I uh, gave them a track. And then we got to talking and come to find out that they belonged to a church. I said, what church? They said, I'm uh, not sure. Then they asked my husband. Husband came out. Uh, I gave your wife this literature to read and... Um, I asked her what church she goes to, and she didn't know, so she asked my husband, so here you are, husband, I'm going to ask you, he says, um, it's over in Kalihi, uh, he couldn't think of the name, and I said to the wife, how long have you been going to church, she says, since I was born in the Philippines, how long have you come to this church, six years, and she didn't know the name of the church, isn't that interesting, did not know the name of the church, he said, wait, wait, he went back, got a track out, Ah, oh, and he says, church of Christ, Ah, I see, I see, I'm familiar with that. And so I asked them, now, talk about being deceived. I asked a simple question, knowing that she had been in church all of her life. So she's religious, she's dedicated, she's not gonna change, but I asked her a question. Now, let me ask this question. If I were God and you stood before me and I asked you this question, why would I, God, let you into my heaven? What would you say to me? And she looked at me and she blinked a couple of times. She says, Let me ask my husband. So I asked the husband. He said, Well, I don't know. I have to ask the elders at the church. I have to ask the Church of Christ elder. I said, You don't know? That's pretty basic. You don't know? You've been in all of your life. You don't know? They couldn't say. You know what that is? That's deception, spiritual deception. They have a religion, and the coming Tuesday, the Bible may come to some meeting coming Tuesday church of christ thing i said no i'm not gonna go oh why not why not i said i know what you believe i've got your publications i got it years ago i've read it all i've read your history i know what you teach i've seen the pictures of this massive crowds of people i know what's going on i said that is a false religion i said you're blinded by the devil i said just like that kindly i hope was that kind i was pretty kind about that i wasn't mean to her but i said this is a false religion the devil works in religion, the era of religion. That's his department. To blind people. Also, some things I want to pass on to you, just to let you know that uh, it is a very dangerous religion because it's satanic. Um, they believe that they are the true church because in Romans 16:60, 16, 16, look at that verse quickly, please. Romans 16:60. 16, 16. Quick, 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 please. My time is running out quickly. So I need you to go quickly to Romans 16:60. 16, 16. They say that because their name is in the Bible. They are the true church of god let's see romans 16 16. their name is the church of christ now look at this the churches of christ salute you greet you they say you see i said no no wait a minute it says churches churches the churches of christ greet you not the church of christ but they don't see that they're blinded they're blinded they also believe Jesus was created by God. They deny the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is an impersonal force. Have you had enough? Here's something else that they don't believe in because they've been deceived by the devil. Now, I'm not saying the people are bad, okay? I'm saying the teaching, the doctrine, the theology, what they believe is wrong. They say that the Christian church has been corrupted since after the first century, the apostles, and that Iglesia Ni Cristo is the reinstatement of the true church. That was lost in the first century, and this by means of God's last messenger, Felix Manalo, da, 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 da. the founder of Iglesia ni Cristo. "Quote unquote," they're saying, if it wasn't for Felix, the cat, we would not have a true church today. Mormons say that if it wasn't for Joseph Smith, they would not have the restored gospel. They also claim to be the true church of God. The witnesses they've got charles russell the founder of that group in the 19th century so now you have three groups they claim to be the true church <laughs> who are you going to believe well you got confusion here who's the author of confusion who is the mass deceiver this is who hindered paul well um their church is the only source of true salvation one must hear the gospel from authorized Church of Christ ministers don't do that a person must be a member of the Church of Christ and be water baptized to be saved that's what I just told you that's what I just read I'm quoting you they must be water baptized to be saved Uh, members must avoid joining trade unions these rules quote are mandatory to be saved unquote can you believe this That is not even the Bible totally against the Bible and yet people believe this wholeheartedly they're their steadfastness, their enduring until the end is, depends upon, their salvation depends upon all of these things. How anti-bible is that? The just shall live by faith. Alright? And so the gift of God is not by works, but they totally, the devil works in that arena. A couple of other things to pass in here. Other arenas in which the devil works in and is very effective, not only is it in the religious world, but it's in the moral world, in the world of morality. Child trafficking, Child sex trafficking. How about abortion? How about killing innocent lives in a mother's womb? Everybody's upset because Hamas beheaded children. Okay, that's gross. That's horrible. That's vicious. But people kill babies in a mother's womb. How more innocent can a baby be? How is that acceptable? It's convenient. I don't want this child interfering in my lifestyle. So let's just get rid of it and of course you also have people accommodate your wishes because they're the same ilk and so abortion is not really just let's just call it for what it is it is killing a baby in the mother's womb how much more innocent can a person be to kill an innocent person in the mother's womb well the Bible's against that in the Old Testament you had people sacrificing babies to a god of Molech Molech you remember the Canaanites and the Ammonites uh, a bronze idol, arms upstretched, below him, below by his feet would be a pot of fire or coal. And you put a live baby to appease your God for favor, and that hot hand, hands of that idol would receive the baby and be It'll sperm out and fall off into that. And it'll be, look, this is worship by pagans in Canaan. Pagans worshiping like that appease some deity. What can you say about that except being satanic? Who's after killing babies and children? Herod did it. I mean, all over the Bible, you have the death of children because somebody's behind that. It is so unnatural to kill babies. It is so natural. The natural instinct for man is to protect babies, right? The natural instinct for a father is to protect his young ones. What man who is a regular, decent, human being even, would not stop someone from hurting his family. That's natural. It is unnatural to kill children. That's the devil. The devil is doing that. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven is an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hence that shed innocent blood. How much more innocent could a baby be in a mother's womb? Well, population control is another area. When it comes to population control, eliminating people, uh, China, their policies. Liberals have pushed too many people for decades and that's, that's not enough food. You've heard, I heard that in the 60s, not, we're gonna run out of food by the next decade. We're gonna run out of food. Can't feed everybody, what are we gonna do? Oh, depopulate. Then you have forced sterilizations, uh, eugenics, all these kind of things to, to help us for future generations Like killing off some in this generation, how much sense does that make? No sense at all. What's behind all of that? If you don't know, the apostle Paul says, "I would have come unto you, but Satan hindered me, hindered us." The devil is behind all of these things. No matter how they dress it up, this is satanic stuff. I just want to pass on to you and take advantage of the occasion and let you know the devil is not gone. He's not chained up in the lake of fire. He's roaming about free, going up and down. And he has access and he does things people don't even realize and he's an evil creature that one day Thank God one day. He's going to his rightful place forever one day That's where he's gonna go the lake of fire where he belongs Ah, he doesn't like his future And I don't smile because I smile because I know where he's gonna go And i'm gonna be so happy and so will you Be happy too and one day he's consigned to the lake of fire Not just for a thousand years but afterwards he's sent there forever that'd be a good day everybody's gonna be happy by then until then there's a fight to be had and there's a war that's going on spiritual warfare and don't think that your enemy is flesh and blood although sometimes they're just we, we, we see that only it's the devil behind it so you need to pray you need to be in the Word of God you need to be witnessing need to be steadfast and not cave in on certain things cannot you got to be strong christians in these days so i appreciate people speak up for what they believe is right especially the christians now the new speaker of the house this is not about him but i'm glad that mike johnson said that he's a born-again christian i think he said bible believing now who says bible believing anymore he says a born-again bible believing christian well that tells me something about him i don't know much about him but i'm glad that he doesn't wear a dress and wears makeup i'm glad he looks like a man even though he looks like a very well-groomed man no not, not a, <laughs> uh, he doesn't wear skirts okay all right doesn't flaunt it but uh we'll we'll see if that pans out like i hope it will but it's a good thing that there's some people that are still decent in high office and so not putting all of my faith in that, but I'm just encouraged a little bit that there's people in Washington that still say they believe the Bible and that they're Bible believing and that they're against the things that I'm against and they're for the things I am for. That is a little bit of fresh air to me. All right? Okay, I've talked a long time today. I'm going to stop. And I, if I should stop saying amen. Oh, I'm going to keep on going. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Word of God and uh, for this good church in Thessalonica. How I long that we could be somewhat like them. But it'll happen only if individual hearts are in tune with the Word of God and with you. So help my heart to be in tune with you. Help my heart to be obedient. Help my heart to be the type that will be honorable to you. I need to have the kind of love that they had for you and for each other. I need to be unmoved by contrary occurrences. I need to always remember that you're coming back for us. So help me and help the church. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.